following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. So as you remember, we were talking about expectation versus experience. There's a gap between our expectation and our experience. And to kind of illustrate the point a little bit, we have to think back to the the expectations we kind of used to have. If you remember dial-up modems back in the day, we used to have dial-up modems, and you used to hear the... the For those of you who don't remember, maybe you're too young for that, you've missed the glory days of the dial-up modem. And we're all excited about that. But, um, it, you know, you used to set aside a couple of years to download a song because it used to be a real big deal back in the day. And, you know, you just, you had to do that. And, you know, and you were just, you really relished that song when you got it. And you walked up to us hill to school both ways. Um, but then, you know, nowadays, we, if we don't download a song in a couple seconds, you know, we're, we, we need to be in the Book of Martyrs. We are in the third level of hell because all of a sudden, now we don't have our songs instantly just like that. Or maybe you remember the days of the cell phone, that when you had a cell phone back in those days, there were no touch screens. The, 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 the keypad had sharp things on it, so your fingers bled as you were tiling people because it was that important that you needed to dial somebody because you were profusely bleeding out and you needed to call them because it was like $900 million a minute for you to be able to use that cell phone. And it was like a brick, so you had to like work out so you could pick up the cell phone and put it to your ear. Or if you were really wealthy, you had a, a cell phone in your car. And so that was really, really cool because you could have it and it'd be like a wired cell phone in your car. But nowadays, you know, we want to call people. And if, some, if you can't reach somebody within a couple seconds, you're calling the police because they must have been kidnapped. Um, so our expectations change and our expectations grow. And we, we ex- expected some big things in our life. We expected some big things to happen, but our experience doesn't always match our expectations. I know for me, you know, I, I wanted to be a little bit stronger, but I'm always kind of on again, off again with working out, and so and never being, being able to reach kind of my expectations, or if I reach my expectations, then something in life happens and I go back down. Or my finances, I want to be further along in my finances, but I'm not as far along as I want to be in my finances. And I think life can be like that. You know, we start out believing big, dreaming big, expecting big, but then life happens and our experiences don't match our expectations. And out of that gap, a lot of frustrations in life can come, and we can experience a lot of different things. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're experiencing some expectation gaps in in your finances, and you're just really struggling. God, how can I pay all these bills? How can I do all these things? I I thought that I really wanted to move forward, that I really wanted to say I'm going to pay off that bill in my life by, by Christmas, I'm going to be done so I can spend all the debt in, my, in Christmas, but Christmas came and went, and the debt was still there, and now it's even more. Or maybe in your career, you really wanted to do something amazing, something meaningful, make a change, and now you're, you're feeling like you haven't quite reached it. You're not quite where you want to be. And so there's a gap in that. And so I want to look this morning at, uh, at a story, because I know there's different ways that we can try to make up this gap. One, we can try to increase our, our effort. 
We can try to work harder and harder and harder and burn ourselves out potentially just trying to reach our expectations by ourselves. The other way we can go is we can just kind of decrease our expectations to the level of our experience and begin to think, God, okay, uh, maybe it just was never meant to be for me to, to have these things in my life, for me to have the career I wanted, for me to have the marriage I wanted, for me to have the, the parenting relationship that I wanted. Maybe it just was never meant to be. And so we can kind of just give up a little bit. But God doesn't want us to just give up. He doesn't want us to burn out. He wants to offer us a third option this morning. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God wants to be able to fill that gap that you have. God's got your gaps. He's got your gaps with his grace. He wants to fill your gaps with his grace. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning, and as I mentioned, look at a story of a father who had a gap in his expectation of his son. He wanted his son to be able to do greater things, but his son had a, a demonic possession, and so Jesus, how Jesus dealt with his gaps. And so we're going to look at that in Mark chapter 9, verses, verses 14, I think, to 26 or so. Uh, so we'll kind of take it, take it in chunks. So the first chunk, verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You see, uh, he said that he, he brought his son to the disciples because his son had a problem. He had a, a, a demonic possession in this story. Now, any, show of hands, anybody experiencing a demonic possession this morning really, really just really need help with that? I figured no hands would go up. So more than, but more than just a demonic possession, what he was experiencing Really what he was experiencing is, is an oppression. This demon was stopping this boy from being able to live up to what he wanted to live out. He, he couldn't go a lot of places. He couldn't do a lot of things because the this, this spirit, this demonic spirit, would throw him down. It would cause seizures, and it would cause him to, to be in potentially dangerous situations. And so this, this boy is really dealing with an oppression of him that it's stopping him from being able to reach what he wants. Now, I, I figure that that is something that we can much more identify with, that there's things in our lives, there's gaps that are stopping us from being, from being and doing what God has called us to be and who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is about some of these gaps. And I think there's, there's three gaps that are, are present in this story. First, is what I call the people gap, that, uh, that there's a, a gap in our expectations on others. See, this man said that he took his son to the disciples, or he, took his, he said, Jesus, I brought you my son, but, but did he really bring his, his son to, the, to Jesus? No, he brought him to the disciples. And so I wonder sometimes, do we bring our problems to Jesus, or do we bring our problems to our friends? Do we bring our problems to our family, expecting them to be the ones that are going to answer our, our needs? And was our first inclination to pray, or was our first inclination to manipulate or please other people to get them to, 
do and, and to be what we want them to do or to be. And, and so we can, we can experience this. Did we seek out God's purpose or, or did we seek out other people to fill out, find our need? And the difference is that um, there's, there's sometimes there's a gap between our expectations of others and our experience of what, they, of what they do. And in the midst of this, we still try to hold on to the relationship that we have some expectations on other people, but we still want to hold on to the relationship. So how do we juggle these two things? Because we see this father, he comes in and he has these, these expectations that the disciples are going to heal his son, but they're unmet expectations. So, so Jesus, after he's coming down the mountain, he finds them arguing. And I think that's a lot of the times where we end up with this. We end up finding ourselves in arguments because either we want to kind of hold on to the results, and so we say my way or the highway, or we want to hold on to the relationship. And so we say, okay, it's fine, just you're right, you do whatever. But either way, our need is not being met. Our need to, to see to hold people accountable, to see people do things, or just our need for the relationship. And so how do we hold these two things, the results and the relationship, together? How do we do that? And, and Jesus comes in, uh, and he sees that, that, that he's frustrated. And I'm, I've known this frustration in my own marriage. My wife and I, we both like steak. But I like my steak with just a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and some seasoning. My wife likes to make sure the steak is dead and drowned it with vegetable sauces and all sorts of things. And so this has been a huge point of contention. We've had to go to counseling for several years about this, trying to figure out how do we, do, how do we cook steak in our house. And so we've, 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 you know, there's these expectations. I have an expectation of a good steak, and my experience is it's not always good. But when it's done my way, it's good. And so... So we have different things like this, or, or maybe it's, it's, it's a more serious one that, you know, I, I see my son played soccer, and we see all of these parents trying to live vicariously through their kids, yelling at their kids to do better, and this is like nine-year-olds, like, come on, this isn't the World Cup or something, but yet we have these, these, these parents screaming at their kids, and really what the parents are doing is they have these expectations on these kids that they'll become professional soccer players Usually because they didn't, their, the parent didn't become a professional soccer player or they want a scholarship or something. But yet I see parents go the other way around too. I see them uh, just kind of let the kid do whatever. Whatever you want. Just you, here, here you t play this video game. You can have this candy. Even though it's midnight and you need to go to sleep, you can have this candy. And so we see these different things. We see these different things. And so Jesus comes in. And the father's frustrated, the disciples are frustrated, and now Jesus is frustrated. And he says, uh, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? I'm sure the disciples were like, that was kind of awkward because they're like, I don't know, hoping for that eternal life forever, hopefully. Um, but uh, so Jesus is there, and, and, and they're, they're probably trying different ways to cast out this demon. They're kind of saying like, like, be gone, demon, or, you know, like, maybe I should whisper, be gone, demon, or, or like, like, 
be gone, like, or let me like blow, like blow, try to blow the demon out. Or, or they saw Jesus spit on people because um, he was trying to heal people's eyes. So maybe they were like spitting on the guy, trying to like get him to heal this guy. But, but Jesus is frustrated because nothing's working out. Everybody's arguing. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. See, I think so oftentimes we have these unmet expectations because we're not including Jesus as the third party in the relationship. And so Jesus says, bring that problem to me. And when we begin to trust Jesus in our relationships, then we can begin to truly love people. Because if we're, we're just trying to hold on to the results and say, kind of my way or the highway, we've got to do it my way, then we begin, can begin to trust God for outcomes. See, there's a difference that I, I learned that we, we can hold people to be responsible to us or for us to be responsible to people, but we can't have people be responsible for us or we can't be responsible for other people. And I think the difference is um, if, it's, if it's responsible to, it's kind of like, like a knapsack. The burden is like a knapsack. It's your daily priority. It's your daily things, cleaning your room, uh, being responsible to your wife or husband, being responsible to, to your church, being responsible to your community, being responsible to your workplace. These are responsibilities that we all have to hold on to. But being responsible for things is kind of like, like trying to carry a boulder as a burden. And, and when we go through that, there's some major crises in our life. There's some major things like that, that's going to happen, whether it's our, the outcome of our career or if it's the outcome of, of, our, of where we go to college or some of the more major outcomes in our life are ultimately we can do our best, but ultimately God is in the business of outcomes. The Bible says in a part a man plans his step, um, directs, but the Lord directs, directs his uh, outcomes, directs his, out, his, his steps. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. So God is in the business of outcomes. And so we've got to trust God for some outcomes in our lives. My kids can be responsible for cleaning their room. They can be responsible for working hard in school, but they can't ultimately be responsible for going to, to, to Harvard or going to Yale or something. I can't, I can't yell at them if they don't do that. That's not realistic of me, and I'm holding them to an unrealistic expectation. And so we've got to trust God for outcomes, but we've also got to really show up in the relationship. It's not a real relationship if we're not fully present and if we don't allow the other person to be fully present in the relationship. And so we can trust God that if we begin to learn about how he wants us to speak and act in relationships, then we can begin to see that we can really show up and can speak the truth in love in relationships. If we just say all the time, uh, just, it's fine, and, and you just do it your way, and we just kind of lay down and be a doormat for people, then we're not really offering them our relationship. We're not really offering them our, our, ourselves because we're not present. Our perspectives, our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas are not present in the relationship. And there'll be resentment and bitterness that'll grow in our hearts. So we've got to confront those things. We've got to speak the truth in love. And when we trust Jesus to provide for our needs, then we can begin to see that he is good, that he's going to ultimately determine outcomes, but he's also going to help us begin to speak the truth in love to people. And so those are ways that we can begin to see that how Jesus is going to fill our gap in our relationships. So we've got to stop loving as if people can bridge the gap and start loving as if God's got our gaps. Start loving as if Jesus has your gaps. 
And so we go on. So, so the disciples bring the boy to Jesus, and, and Jesus comes in, and, and he says, uh, so, they, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Good to hear you all following along. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right. So we only know that there's this boy and this father. We don't know there's a mother. We don't know there's siblings. And so we can imagine kind of what happens. I like to put myself in the situation of the Bible and just try to imagine what it would be like. And so we can imagine what it would be like to be this father. We know that this father... um, has this, this boy, and this boy has been like this from childhood. From the Greek, we can see that this boy is not a child anymore. He's an adolescent. He's a young adult. And so it's been several years that this boy has been going through this demonic possession in his life. And as he's been going through this, we can imagine that the father has trouble going to work because he's not sure what's going to happen to his son. That the, the father is, pulls the boy from water, or pulls the boy from fire because this, this boy is... Um, being thrown into it by this, by this demon that wants to kill this boy. We can imagine the father having hopes for his son and having those hopes dashed on the, the rocks of, of this situation. And the father wanted this boy to do so much more, to be so much more, and yet here he is in this situation. So the father is desperate. We can imagine him holding the son and crying. We can imagine the father sleeping at the foot of the boy's bed because he wants him to be okay. And so the father, in his desperation, asked Jesus, just do anything. Just lessen his pain. Just help him to have, be a little bit better. But Jesus is indignant with the father because he hasn't come to do anything. He's come to do everything. You see, there's a gap in our ability. It's called our ability gap. It's our ability to, to do what God Uh, wants uh, what we believe that we should be doing and our ability to believe that God will answer us in our need. Our ability to have faith to believe that God will be able to answer us in our need. So it's the gap between our expectations of God and our ability to believe he'll answer in the midst of those life experiences. The ability gap. And, And, you know, we can kind of experience this too. Maybe you've been a lot of different places last year and you've lost some things this last year. Maybe you've, you've been in a place where, you know, you, you, again, you wanted to, to be further in your career. You thought you were going to get a promotion. And so you worked really hard, and you prayed really hard for it, but the promotion didn't come. Or you were expecting, you, you wanted to get married, or you wanna, wanted to ha- have a child. And you were praying and seeking God for it, but it didn't come. And so there's this ability gap that you're experiencing in your life because you're not seeing what God what God. Uh, was promised. And, and life can weaken our hopes then, right? Like I said at the beginning, we start believing big, believing that God's going to do some amazing things in our life. But then as life comes and disappointment after disappointment after disappointment happens, begins to weaken our hopes. And then we just, or maybe we come to church and we just pray, God, do anything in my life. God, just help me some way. And, and, and there's, this is where, where Jesus finds the Father. And so, Uh, Jesus says, if I can, everything 
is possible for the one who believes. You see, Jesus wants to do more than anything. He wants to do everything. And so Jesus asks the father, how long has the boy been like this? And it's kind of, in my mind, I see them, two guys standing there while the boy's flailing on the ground. And the father's, you know, it's his emergency. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Jesus, just fix him. Just do something. But yet Jesus just calmly says, how long has he been like this? And Jesus is talking with the father and as, as the father. And I think sometimes we have to realize that other people's uh, emergency is not God's emergency. Because God is, ha- is in control of everything. If, even if this boy dies, he can res- Jesus can resurrect him. And so sometimes we have to, to think in our minds, we can't, we can't draft God into our dysfunction. We can't begin to p- say, God, I, I, I didn't plan, I didn't do these things, but God saved me. And so we got to be careful too when people come to us like that. When they come to us beca- with an emergency in our life because of poor planning or because something they didn't do, not because of a legitimate emergency, but we've got to be careful that we don't, we don't, don't, people don't draft us into their dysfunction. But we have this, this man here who brings Jesus in, and he has a legitimate concern that this, this boy is here. He's, he's with a demon, but, but Jesus is saying to him, yes, I want to fix your boy. Yes, I want to heal your boy. But in the midst of this, Jesus also sees that this father's faith is also failing. And because his faith is failing, Jesus wants to heal this father too. He says, yes, I know you're hurting. Yes, I see your son is hurting, but I can fix this boy. I'm in control of anything. So even if this boy dies, I can resurrect him. But I didn't come here just to heal this boy. I came here to do everything. And so Jesus wants to heal this father too. In the midst of this, Jesus is is talking to him and he's with him. And maybe that's you. Like I said, maybe you came here for anything. God, do anything. Do anything about my life. Do anything about the problems that I'm facing. But you need to know that God is not the God of anything. He's the God of everything. I want to read you this. In Colossians 1, 15 to 18, it says, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and, and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything, God, it started in him and find its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. You see, all our problems find their purpose in Jesus. If we would bring our problems to Jesus and realize that he is the God that wants to do everything in our lives. You know the reason why the rear view mirror is so much smaller than our windshield? Because where you're going is so much bigger than where you've been. So we can't spend our lives looking back and wanting to move forward. God wants to do everything in our life. See, God did not cause that pain in your life. He didn't cause that loss, but he wants to help you. Because in the midst of this, God, God wants to help you bring your problem to him so that you can know that he's not the God of anything. He is the God of everything. So whatever you're facing this morning, whether you're facing depression, whether you're facing doubt, whatever you're facing, 
Bring it to God because he is a God that wants to do everything in, his li- in your life. He's not the God of anything. He's not the God of just lessening your pain. He's not the God of just giving you a job where you can survive. He's not the God that will just help you to make your marriage a little bit better. He's not the God that will just help direct your kids just a little bit back. He is the God of everything. And if we could believe that he is the God of everything, then we would begin to see that there is a Jesus that loves us so much that he would come down to die for us, that he would bring you to eternal life, and he didn't come to die for you to have a life where you're just anything life. He came to die so you could have an everything life, that you could experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in your life, that you would begin to have some fruits in your life. Can I get an amen? amen? He is that kind of God, and so we've got to believe that he's that kind of God. And so this father is coming, and he, he's, even though he's struggling within his faith, he's struggling with his doubts, he still acts as if Jesus is in control. And I think we've got to give him credit for that, that as he's, he's there, he's, as he's still struggling, he's still struggling to believe, he, he's still in control. And so we've got to live as if God's got your gaps. Live as if God's got your gaps, even if you're struggling to believe that God is real. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you think, man, he's not real. Well, well, just do this. Just give him a try. Just, just try Jesus. Just pray a little bit. Read your Bible a little bit. Come to just talk with me or talk with somebody else in the church. Begin to try him out, and what you'll begin to see, that as you fake it, you'll begin to make it. That as you begin to try and live this out, as you begin to go through the actions, as you begin to see, God will meet you right where you're at. God is big enough to handle your doubts. We don't have a small God. We have a big God. And so God is big enough to handle your doubts. So throw whatever doubts you want at him. He'll meet you. He'll meet you there, and he'll help you to be who he's called you to be, and he'll help you to experience an everything kind of life. So uh, they move on, and, and Jesus is prepared, the Father, for this healing And then when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out. By prayer. So the disciples, you know, were, were, were kind of trying to get this demon to come out, and they didn't even pray to God. They didn't even turn to him. And so this father was like, you, you know, you're Jesus' staff pastors, kind of, you're the ones that he's trained, kind of, you're, you're the, you went to, to demon casting out school, so, you know, go do it, like, like cast out the demon. And it didn't work. Why? Well, the disciples actually asked that. They said, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. See, the, the, the disciples didn't pray. They didn't turn to God's power. You know, God, it's like our lives are like an electrical outlet. When we're plugged into God's power, things work. When we're not plugged into God's power, things don't work. And so these disciples, Jesus was like, you know, you guys just came to me and you tried to do my work without my wisdom. You tried to do my purpose without my power. Well, you know, you were like, you were like, hey, we went to demon casting out school. Some of us got seized, but we all passed. So, hey, we got this. We can do this. 
and uh, they found out it didn't work. And, um, and so Jesus came, came in and he said, you've got to, if you want my purpose, if you want to seek my purpose, if you want to fill my purpose in your life, you need my power. You've got to pray. And so often in our, in our lives, right, we, we go out and we just go do things because we just want to get things done. We want to check it off the list, but we don't think about, God, I'm going to pray to you. God, I want to follow you. God, you want to be with me in this. You know, what kind of arrogance is it that we don't want to invite the creator of the universe into our, our daily lives, that we believe that we've got it? And, and so we've got to pray. We've got to follow God. We've got to seek him because he wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to continue to do this. And so often, I know I even struggle with this as a pastor, um, just continually trying to go through the motions. I, I get kind of that that task-oriented mode, and I just want to go out and do things, and I constantly have to remind myself, Jesus, I need you. I need, I need to connect with you, and so this is the growth gap, the growth gap. It's the gap between our good intentions and our growth, what we need to know and do to meet needs versus what we actually know and can do for our needs, and so we need Jesus in our lives. We need prayer because prayer works. It's not just power, but also a lot of us have blind spots. We all, ha- we, we all have it that we're dealing with. And what is it? Well, that's the point. You can't see it because it's a blind spot. And you need other people. God will work through other people to point this out. One thing that I love I heard one time is that often when we pray, another person will sense a nudging from God, or maybe you'll sense a nudging from God. You'll sense God wanting you to do something, and that is an answer to somebody else's prayer. See, God wants to work through his power, but often his power will work through people, and so we've got to be connected in a body, because if we're not connected in a body around other Christians, then we won't be able to have that source where God wants to work through to to speak into our lives. So we have ways where, we're con- where you can get connected here. We've got community groups. You know, the women's ministry is meeting after. You can be a part of that. There's a lot of different ways. We're, we're, there's ways we're gonna, that you can serve. You can come to the SHAPE class on May 20th and get involved there. Find out what your serving gifts in. But the point is, is it's, this is not about just us trying to grow the church or us trying to do things. These are ways for you to get plugged in to experience God's power and God's purpose in your life that you can begin to see who he is. And so we've got to um, learn as if God's got my gap. Learn as if God's got my gap. See, it begins with humility. Learning begins with humility, saying, I don't know everything I need to know. I don't do everything I need to do. I need other people in my life. I need to learn from other people. And it all starts with, with humility. That, and sometimes the best compliment is correction. The best compliment you can get is correction. Because it means that somebody is willing to pour into you. They think you're valuable enough that they'll invest in you. And so sometimes we need to not take correction as, as an offense or whatever it is. Sometimes it's something that God wants for our, for our benefit, for our purpose. So let's look, at, look back at the three gaps. There's the people gap, the ability gap, and the growth gap. Let's switch those around. The growth gap, the ability gap, and the people gap. What do all those begin with? G-A-P. You see, God's filled your gap. God's filled your gap. He's been there for you. And in Ephesians 3.20, let me, let me close with this. 
It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or could imagine, to him be the glory in Christ, according to his power that is at work within us, and to him be the glory in, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, and forever and ever, amen. amen. See, God wants to do more. He wants to do stuff, things in your life. But we've got to have, be, be humble to that. He can, he can do that. So let me pray for you guys. If you want to stand up, let me pray for you as we go out. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the chance to believe that you are a God of the gaps, that you want to fill the gaps in our lives. I don't know all the gaps that are in this room, but you do, Lord. And so we pray that we lift up our gaps to you, God, that we believe that you are a God that can fill our gaps with your grace, that we turn to you, Lord, that we pray to you, God, that, that we trust you in our relationships, that we begin to believe that, God, you have the power to, to plug into our life, to see more things happen, to see greater things happen, to see fruits grow in our life. God, thank you for this message, and I pray that it would be lodged deeply in our hearts, that we might be able to walk out in here and experience the, the, the full, the abundant life that you've called us to. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.